0: Lemonade budget for Champagne Social Butterflies, the aspirational podcast for hopeless people. And I am your host, Donna Scott. This is episode 10. And I have to say, I'm really sorry. This is a day late again, and it's probably going to be a shorter one than normal as um, I'm feeling not brilliant at the moment because of post-surgical issues that I won't go into very much but I'm not feeling great so I'm going to keep it quite short if I can um, and I've, I've I've got that full compliment once again of News Jack rejects for you at the end. Anyway how are you? I hope you're good. Not brilliant myself but you know mustn't grumble. Now since I last spoke to you I have had some excellent news so you'll recall that a couple of weeks ago I talked about an audition I did at Castle Ashby for the BBC Northampton at their Northamptonshire day. And I mentioned in the last episode that Neil hadn't got through and other people we knew hadn't got through. But I did get through. I am down to the final 10 of BBC New Voices. And the next stage is I'm going to be on the Helen Blaby show on Monday the 28th of October. So tune in to BBC Northampton and listen to me talking to her. Now I'm going to tell her what a brilliant person I am. Please give me my own show on the BBC. Thank you very much. I have to say that I'm really excited. A little bit nervous, but I'm excited nonetheless. And that comes after my weekend away in Bristol Con as well. So I will be going to Bristol, attending Bristol Con with all my friends and having a lovely time there and then trying not to get too carried away with all the fun and entertainment so I can keep myself good for Monday and this exciting next stage of the competition. I wonder who my rivals are and what I can tell you is that I've pretty much elected to go first in the competition as well. It is a bit weird isn't it but I'm just wanted to get it done I was really excited to get in there and I wanted to choose a good date so I went yeah please Monday thank you very much and the the woman who rang me said oh you're going first then I hadn't thought of it like that but I think that's doing comedy um when you first start and you go to a lot of open mic nights and new material nights then you have this kind of like fear of going on first because the first person has to essentially warm the room up And when you're very, very new, you think, oh, my ability to do that is going to be kind of limited. So you like to go on at least second. No one likes going first at those things to begin with. But even though it's kind of like still a little bit daunting, I jump at it now. I I do that. (laughs) I'm not scared anymore if I'm doing a new material night. Although a lot of the time they tend to keep me back, sort of like um, the treat at the end. That's nice, isn't it? I'm no longer in the sweet spot in the middle. Sometimes, you know, you can go to these things. They assume, don't they? They're, oh, she, she's, she's a female comedian. Let's give her the sweet spot in the middle. Because she might be a bit rubbish. But no, they know me now. So it's like, yeah, you can go at the end. Closing a small room. Ha ha ha. Not had um very many gigs since I last spoke to you. I've had one. And that was uh, an open mic night. And I didn't go at the end. I went at the end of a section... Rather than the end of the evening, it was the, it was the first night at this place, but it's fairly local to me, and it's really useful to go and do new material nights if you've got new material, so that you can see what works, what flies for the for the big gigs when you get actually paid to do your stuff. Yeah, I went to Leighton Buzzard, and it was quite a rough and ready kind of gig. But the majority of the audience were well up for a good night of comedy and they listened and they laughed, which is cool. And I didn't do everything I got set out to do, but I did most of it and I, I could see what was going to work, roughly, and what wasn't. And I, th- I think I need a couple more gigs with that new material so that it really will bed in. But, you know, I'm really happy with it. That's good. And, of course, I've been writing quite a lot. Because I've got this BBC stuff still ongoing. It's the last week of News Jack for submissions. So you'll have this lot of rejects that I'm going to read at the end. I'm really surprised I didn't get anything on last week. I mean, the week before, I knew I was pants. But this week is better. <laughs> a little bit. Um, yeah, A few of us on my online writing community did notice that a couple of zombie deer jokes got onto the last episode of News Jack so it seemed a bit strange that you know whoever was putting the script together hadn't noticed maybe that they got two jokes that are very similar on the programme or you know they just loved both those jokes so much they said we must have that zombie deer joke and then there were two of them and they couldn't pick it's been really useful I think having a go at this thing and trying to write the deadline and last week I really struggle with it and this week because I've been busy I've had to sort of really sort of like think about my method of writing jokes so that I can do it quickly and come up with really good um, sort of like endings for things I mean you'll see next week how it's gone I'll either have got on the show and I'll have stuff to tell you about or I won't have got on the show and I'll have some more rejects to share with you when I say that I've got stuff rejected from Newsjack, it's like not a badge of shame or anything, because very few things actually do get on from the submissions they receive. They tend to get about four hundred submissions a week, uh, for eight, for the one liners. I think there's some stats on the website anyway that says how many they get. It's quite a lot, and most of the jokes actually get written by the writers' room, because they have an extra day or so to get the material. Um, ready for the for the show they can write up to the Wednesday whereas if if you're submitting as Joe Public which anybody can do you've only got until Monday at midday for sketches and Tuesday at midday for one-liners so it's not a lot of time considering it goes out on Thursday and I think if you listen to the show you can tell as well just how much is written to go into sort of like the the monologues Joe Public does not get to write the monologues. They only get to write the intros of the sketches, the sketches, and to the one-liners. But yeah, that feeling of dread that you get a little bit when you are trying to circle around a topic, thinking, I have a feel of a joke. There is a joke buried here somewhere. And then you're, you're searching for the right order of words. And sometimes that comes to you after you've pressed send as well, which is very useful. But... That it does get make you fret a little bit and 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 worry about hitting it right, but this week I, I, when I was writing, I was thinking, I'm really I was really actually feeling quite smug with myself for for some of the things I was coming up with and really enjoying the writing, and you know, having known a lot of writers, there's a, lot, a few people will say, oh yeah, I really enjoy the writing process. They are rare indeed. They are weirdos there's very few people who actually I think would enjoy the writing process a lot of people probably will enjoy having written you know when you sat there at your laptop for a few hours and then just churned out the words and sometimes you can get into it and it's all coming really easily and then sometimes it's like I'm writing with treacle fingers and all the feathers are sticking to me and um, really awful and hard and then you go oh that's a thousand words Mm." and then you read it back and you go I'm good I'm good and then you read it back the next day and go that's all gotta go writing is hard having written is lovely but in the process of writing can be awful but I've really enjoyed writing this week so it's like the last week I've got into the zone that's really unfair isn't it (laughs) And also what I'll do for Topical Jokes is I'll be scouring the websites and my preferred website for that is the BBC because the news articles are laid out very clearly and summarised quite well and I don't have to like do a deep delve into understanding what the heck's going on like you sometimes do with some of the, the broadsheets. But I changed method a little bit in that I thought I'd utilise my commuting time a little bit better. So there's a free newspaper that goes out on the trains and buses called the Metro. And it's rubbish. Yesterday's news tomorrow. But sometimes for the kinds of stories that um, you want to write silly jokes about, like those little tiny world news articles, they can be quite useful. So they're still good. And because you haven't paid for it, you don't feel bad about scribbling all over the metro while you're on the bus and drawing over Robert De Niro's face. You don't feel bad about that at all. So it can be that is, a, I think, a new method that I have just started with. So a couple of other things that I have been up to this week, apart from doing a new material night in Leighton Buzzard, which was very nice. Well, I've actually been going out as a punter to see some gigs as well. So last week I went to see a comedy crate night at the Charles Bradlaugh in Northampton and performing there um, was John Pearson as MC and he said, oh, you again. And I was like, yeah, because we we gigged with him the week before. So we said we were stalking him. Honestly, he's one of the best MCs. He's really, really good. You can see why he wins all the awards and everything at um, the Midlands Comedy Awards for best MC. He's good. He's really good at MCing. And on with him was Evelyn Mock. Her, I, lo- I loved her very earthy humour that she has. So she was good. And then in the middle, there was Alex Farrow, who I've gigged with before. He does really, really cool stuff with ice cream cones. And there was Basil Jam, a, a flamboyant dresser, um, who did some, some technical wizardry as well. And The Night Was Finished with David Trent, as well, um, oh, here's where I, I, I sort of like, I'm never sure if anybody remembers me or anything like that. But David Trent, I've known for a, for a while, and he did remember me, in fact, because he, he addressed me from the stage. He did. I'd no, I'd not met Basil or Evelyn before, so I wanted to make sure that they were aware that I was a comedian. <laughs> Being local comics, we know the promoter, and he was looking kind of anxious because the the crowd wasn't coming in. Uh, early in the night and we said that we would go and sit on the front row if you go and sit on the front row as comedians that's really bad because you're kind of like going to get talked to and you don't want to like basically look like a prat if you're going to be performing in front of people in the future so it's a good idea not to um, be unknown to the other comedians if you can help it Anyway, had a super smashing time. It was was a fantastic gig to watch as a punter. I think that Comedy Crate put on some excellent nights in Northampton. So, well worth checking out their stuff. And then last night, I also went to a gig as a punter. But it was just a local open mic night. And I didn't know most of the comedians on last night. So, it's good to see some new people. But I wanted to say that there was one comedian there who had basically done her fifth set and her name was Katarina Hudson and I thought it was really well constructed so look out for her Uh, in fact there were three people called Hudson on the bill it was very strange except it wasn't, if you think, that two of them were related Katarina's husband, Alan Hudson, was also on the bill though he wasn't there at the start of the night and he came in from another gig because he's a professional magician he had a gig elsewhere so he came in at the end of the night and I'm not sitting at the front, I'm sitting in the middle, but I'm in his eye line and he hasn't met me. So he asks me to volunteer to go on the stage and oh I'm so embarrassed. You know, last week I mentioned about that comedy competition where there was a magician and I went on and had to volunteer because there was no audience. And these guys from a radio station reckoned I had ruined this guy's night. And I was like, well, I hadn't, because I just don't know what I was asked. But my God, it was deja vu. You know, I've not been feeling great for a few days. And I had foolishly not worn my soft trousers. I'd worn some combat trousers to the gig last night. And they were just not comfortable. And they were just digging into me all around my scar, and everything else was just feeling awful down there. <laughs> so he asks me to the stage, and I oblige. And he's doing card tricks, and then I have to wrap him in cling film. And then he's got like this button on the floor that he asks me to push. I, I can't bend down. Couldn't bend down, could I? So embarrassing. And I thought there's only two things that could have possibly happened if I had bent down. One, my trousers would have come down because the the button on them was a little bit kind of dodge. Or two, I would have put extra pressure on my bladder and just exploded. <laughs> this is I'm such an old lady now. Have, have, have I got to watch going on stage like I'm flipping Fergie from the Black Eyed Peas or something? So I basically started to do a, a small curtsy towards this button and then I had to stop. I was like, I can't do it. I can't bend. <laughs> I can't bend! <laughs> so some lad from the front row came and helped. Blimey neck. Do you know what? I was so embarrassed. I I'd stayed sober the entire night as well because it's important for me to be sober as much as I can these days because of the, the issues that I've got. And i I, I didn't want to be sober anymore when the gig finished went downstairs and the bar was still open so neil was like what do you want to drink and i was like wine (laughs) so i had some wine and you know what it tasted good lovely glass of malbec and the second one tasted nice as well and then today i feel awful I feel even worse because wine does not agree with me now. I should not drink. So f- firm promise to you, universe, I will not drink again until at least Bristol Con. But I, I probably won't drink there either. I just can't do it. I'm being let down by my ageing bod. But yeah, still a lovely night. A lovely, lovely night. And I had a good chat with Ben Briggs as well. It's actually made me feel very positive about my comedy. Um, not because I was comparing myself with other people. No, um, I wasn't. It's just that just being around the environment and talking about it and then absorbing the culture and then chatting about all things comedy with comedians afterwards is lovely. It is. You might not believe it. Ah. Uh, <laughs> I know I'm very strange. I've enjoyed writing and I've had lovely industry chats. That's not the only thing I've been up to. Um, We've also been down to Reading this weekend as I had a reunion with my university friends. I hadn't seen this bunch of people for five years. Uh, There were two people who I have seen from university in the interim, but they were unable to come to the reunion yesterday. So there was just a few of us and we all went into Reading for a Thai meal and a very, very small tour of some of the pubs before we all got back on the bus and went to our friend's house and just spent the weekend there. And it was just lovely. And Reading is a town, that is for sure. And this is a a certain kind of town. This has got all of the things you want in a town. It's got the pubs, it's got the clubs it's got the food, it's got the shops it's got the bus service <laughs> but Berkshire, the surrounding countryside my god I was blown away, it's really beautiful Reading is like one of those towns you hear about in the office isn't it it's like the rival to Slough so you think of it as, as grim and really dull but the surrounding countryside is, is amazing it's got everything in, you want in the landscape, it's got the rolling hills, it's got The woods, so many woods. It's got the lakes and rivers and canals. It's just beautiful. Hasn't got a cathedral mind. I like a town with a cathedral, like a city. I mean, it's got a Minster, but that's not the same thing, is it? Unless it's York Minster, because that's really nice. Not much else to say about my week, apart from we have been to see The Joker. I just wanted to tell you about the experience of going to see The Joker at the cinema. Now, we were very lucky last week because our friend gave us some tickets to go and see this film, but it's still quite early in the release. So it's very popular. And the cinema was pretty full. And the problem when you go and see a film when the cinema is pretty full is... I don't want to seem like a snob here, but I really am. You're going to be surrounded by the comically illiterate. So people who don't know anything about the Joker... And whilst that might be fine, if they're just quiet and going to watch the film, that's fine. But if you're f- in a full cinema, then you're going to get people talking over the trailers, even though they're good trailers for other things, like Suicide Squad, that you want to see or have something to- vaguely to do with what you're going to watch. And they're just going blah, 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 blah over it. And it's like, shh, 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 I hate that don't talk over the trailers talk over the adverts is acceptable but talking over the trailers is a no-no especially stop talking once the film has flipping started honestly there were some people behind us in particular and we had to shut them a lot we had to shush them a lot so Neil turned round to shush this couple who were right behind us they were behind my head and they were just wouldn't stop talking the film it was like and he was getting annoyed and then I saw his face and his face relaxed into a bit of a grin and he was like laughing at them and I said what is it and he said oh because she had her face like buried into her boyfriend's neck and her eyes closed so when he made this comment I just looked around and saw and that's what I saw and so I assumed that he was right That when he said, oh, she's just a bit scared of the film, so he's giving her an audio description. (laughs) So, yeah, that's what we thought they were doing. But then the the noise just carried on. So he turned to shush them again, and he was like, oh, God, no. He's actually fingering her. (laughs) I mean, the cinema was full. They were surrounded by people. They were right behind us. I don't want to be hearing those noises. You're not on the back row. Uh, plus, they were of an age where, you know, surely that one of them has got a flat or something or a bedroom, you know, and a mother who understands that they're now in their early 20s. And, or a car. Some, you know, somewhere private. Something. Don't be going to the cinema... And doing your sexing behind, behind this woman who has just gone had for major surgery and had all of her bits removed. It's very annoying, and she's jealous. Mm-mm. I don't know what it is about me, but I always seem to be have people have sex sitting next to me and me not being aware of it. That that happened when I went to the beer garden in the the King Billy once. And there was a few of us all sitting on the benches outside in the beer garden. And I've been introduced to pretty much everybody around the table, so I'm making polite conversation with people. And they were all outside there because they were smoking. So these packets of tobacco on the on the on the table. And you know you know that picture of the man who has died and he has a mustache and then he has like a big cancerous growth round his neck. So I'm like pointing this out to this couple next to me, going, Oh, he's probably died because of the bad mustache, because it's a really bad mustache as well as an awful flipping, awful cancerous growth around his neck. And they were just grunting at me. And then and then somebody came around up to me and just laid their hand on my arm and went, You might want to move. As they are having sex. I hadn't even noticed. <laughs> I mean, good grief. People you just stop having sex next to me i don't like it don't like it anyway that's probably enough waffling from me for this week so i'm just going to get on with doing my newsjack jack rejects for you now and then we will call it a day so here we go one-liners breaking news ah DEFRA has unveiled complicated guidelines for UK travellers wishing to bring their pets into Ireland after we leave the EU, including the need to arrive by sea at designated points of entry. However, rumours that cats must also bring honey, plenty of money wrapped up in a £5 note and an owl to row them ashore have been dismissed as nonsense. Pizza Express have hired financial advisors to investigate his £1.1 billion debt. Advisors, what have you concluded? They've been a bit sloppy, Giuseppe. Ah. The NHS is opening the first clinic to help young people addicted to video games. Treatments will include taking Call of Duty liberal capsules. And now my good week, bad weeks. It's been a good week for Extinction Rebellion who have encouraged thousands to attend climate emergency protests, causing Boris Johnson to label them uncooperative crusties. It's been a bad week for Boris Johnson, who found the true meaning of uncooperative crusties when he tried to wear the same shorts for a second day of jogging. It's been a good week for a police officer who won a tribunal against the force who fired him for not shaving his beard. It's been a bad week for the police force, whose decision to fire the officer was described as a bit of a chin-scratcher. It's been a good week for Alison Felix, who has beaten Usain Bolt's gold medal record in Doha, only ten months after giving birth. It's been a bad week for Usain Bolt, who also probably treats parenthood as a race, according to his catchphrase, I always come first. Okay, so, reading these back, I like my Pizza Express joke. Um, I think... The NHS one's a bit convoluted. There are some good ones on there that I've heard. Um, well, on the news quiz, they did the thing about it being a 12-step programme. That if you fail, you have to go back to the beginning. Which I thought was a good way of doing that one. And um, and then the, the owl and the pussycat one would be good if it was shorter. And then I think I have gone a bit obscure with number three of my good week bad weeks. Number two I think is quite news Jackie and I like my Boris Johnson one so that's what I think of those. Brevity that's what you need. Try and keep your jokes as short as possible. And now time for my sketch. This week we were treated to the side of the Metropolitan Police confiscating bright pink sofa cushions from a building used by Extinction Rebellion in London ahead of their protest this week. I don't know what the Cushions had been planning to do, but they were clearly embarrassed. Perhaps it was the Met's way of saying to the protesters not to get too comfy. I'm not sure Cushions can offer any intelligence, but you never know. One might have been a police spy who'd gone undercover. Uh, On with the sketch. Right, quiet please, rebels. Let's make sure we've got everything we need ahead of next week's protests. Do we have drums and whistles? Yes, all right, thank you. Do we have witty placards? Uh, mine says, this planet is hotter than your imaginary girlfriend. Brilliant. That will also annoy incels and everyone else. Now, have we also got our refillable water bottles and our waterproofs and some vegan snacks? Hummus. Do we have hummus? Hummus. Oh I wasn't expecting
1: a raid by the Metropolitan Police <laughs> Aha Nobody expects a raid by the Metropolitan Police Ha 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 Now, old hippie, you are accused of public disorder on three counts Disorder by thought, disorder by word, disorder by deed, and disorder by action. Four counts. Do you confess? i don't understand what we're accused of ha, ha, ha then we shall make you understand pc biggles fetch the cushions da, da, da. old hippy i'm giving you one last chance confess the ancient sin of wearing too much patchouli reject the works of george mambayo in the guardian two last chances and you shall be free. Three last chances, the nature of which may harm your defence if you do not mention when questioned something which you lay or rely on in court. I don't understand what you're on about. Ha! If that's the way you want it. PC Biggles, you know what to do with the cushions. Why are you taking our cushions and throwing them outside on the pavement? I think you'll find those cushions just accidentally fell down the steps of their own accord. Now, confess! To what? Ha! Made of stronger stuff, are you? PC Fang. Fetch. The Comfy Chair. Dun, dun, dun! Not... The Comfy Chair? Yes, the Comfy Chair. We shall take it and interrogate it, and we will find out all the secrets it has been hiding. Poke the chair, poke it. Now confess, chair, confess!
0: Sarge, I've found something. 23p in loose change. A
1: plastic biro and half a Mars bar. Ha 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 ha! Now we have you, secret corporate-loving, single-use plastic-loving capitalists.
0: It's a fair cop. So, yeah. That's a sketch. (laughs) Of course it's a blatant rip-off of Monty Python. It's the whole point. I deliberately went unoriginal because... News chat. Anyway, that's it for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please, please like and share. Tell all your friends... Give me a 4 or 5 star review on iTunes, pretty please, and then the universe will bless you. Thank you very much for listening. I am Donna Scott, signing out. You've been listening to The Lemonade Budget for Champagne Social Butterflies with Donna Scott. The music was It Looks Like the Future But It Feels Like the Past by Dr. Turtle.